Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Legacy. 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 This is the Aztec Legacy Podcast with yours truly, Robert Ortiz, where we honor and learn from the legacies of the past, present, and future Aztecs. Today, we have a special guest, so we're going to jump right into it. Don't want to waste any time. This guy was the predecessor to Marshall Falk, and before there was a Donnell Pumphrey or Rashad Penny, there was the legendary running back from Shoot, 1995-96, who uh, I think doesn't get enough love, Mr. George Jones. What's up, brother? How you doing, Robert? Nice to be on with you today, buddy. You too. And uh, just to give him a little background, me and George, uh, he said it was about 14 years ago, 15 years ago, we were training, uh, both for the NFL, um, getting our getting our minds right, getting our bodies right. Um, and I had the opportunity, and at the time, I don't even know if I realized that you were the guy that you are. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, I always try to, with you and uh, our friend uh, Shawan, I always tried to help the younger generation. Anytime I met any guys that played at San Diego State that were younger than me, I, I, I always thought it was be to help the uh, younger generation and to help kids and to uh, pass on the wisdom and the knowledge that was bestowed upon me. So I've always done that. Yeah, and like you drove us. Uh, a lot of times we'd be out there, and, and this guy is so so fast, and uh, I'm like, man, like I couldn't imagine being on the on the field in front of you trying to tackle you. Uh, but the fact that you were San Diego State, you are part of this legacy. I had to get you on this podcast. And, um, you know, let's start off from uh, you, you grew up in South Carolina, correct? Greenville, yes, sir. Greenville, South Carolina. Greenville, South Carolina. And you ended up going to Bakersfield College. So please just tell me how that came about. Well, I was a, a four-year starter on varsity you know, from freshman all the way to senior season. I had a great high school career. I went to this thing called the Shrine Bowl between North Carolina and South Carolina. That's kind of like what uh, uh, California and Texas had. They had the two states with the best going against each other. Mm -hmm. So on the field, I was outstanding. But in the classroom, I didn't do the necessary things that I needed to do. So that's why I ended up going to Bakersfield Community College in 1993. How did how did you get on Bakersfield's radar? Like that's so far away from home. Do you I, even I, know? I, people ask me that a lot. So I think it was um, we had a a guy on our team named James Pugh on on, our, on my high school football team, and I think his father knew somebody or something like that. That, that said for me to go there because I had, I had passed the, um, the SAT, but I didn't have the core courses. So I was going to have to prop 48 going into, you know, Division One. So they suggested for me to go out there again. Even to this day, I still don't remember exactly how that all worked out. But I think um, my friend that was on my high school team, James Pugh, 
his father had something to do with that. So once I got out there, Robert, I, I'm telling you, it was like uh, just a big culture shock. I mean, even though Bakersfield is not San Diego where you at or Los Angeles, but it was like a Los Angeles for me coming from Greenville, South Carolina. Everything, really? Yes, really. Really. I hadn't really at that time ever seen Hispanics. Oh. I, I really seen Hispanics during that time. Like now in Greenville, South Carolina, there are, a, you know, Hispanics are everywhere now. But back in the early 90s, I don't think I, I remember seeing, I, I think it was a, one that went to my school. Uh, but other than that, I never seen any out just, you know, working or anything like that. So when I got out there, it was a big culture shock for me. And I knew no one. I didn't know a soul on the football team. We met the coaches. And, you know, back then there were no cell phones. There yeah. were no Instagram. There was no Skype. There were yeah. none of this. So I could not afford to have a phone or even call anybody. So I corresponded you know, with people by letter. Uh -huh. So um, my my first two weeks I was out there, I cried every day. I cried like the first two weeks of just being by myself, not knowing anybody and not having anybody to talk to. Wow. So, yeah, yeah. So once um, training camp started and practice started, everything kind of fell in its place because that's when I gained the respect of, all the other players that were from, you know, the California area, from Bakersfield, from Long Beach, from San Diego, from everywhere all over California, uh, I got everybody to respect. Because before that, before we started going to training camp, I got kind of phased out by everybody because I was different. I had a really, really deep accent coming from Greenville, South Carolina. I dressed differently than everybody on, you know, the Cali in California. Everybody, you know that term we use now, swag, the way you dress and all yeah, that. Yeah. I, I didn't have that. I wore my, <laughs> yeah, I wore my clothes uh, mostly fitted. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which is which is in now. <laughs> yeah. That's in now. So I end up, you know, the first day I got there, a good friend of mine now, one one of my good friends, Terrence Zephyr Hill, we call him Zeph. He kind of took me under his wing, and kind of uh, showed me how to, you know, fit in off the field with how to dress. He was he was another player? Yes, he was another player. He, okay. he come from uh, Crenshaw High School where Akbar. Ah, he okay, okay. Akbar. Yes. And so when you were there, uh, you broke some records there, right? Yes, sir. So my freshman year, I, me and, uh, you know, Keyshawn Johnson. Of course. Uh, yeah, me and Keyshawn Johnson were player of the year for the conference. Okay. My rookie year. And so um, even though we had like a three back backfield, it was three of us. It was two sophomores and me. Uh -huh. uh, during, yeah. During that time, I think I was the only freshman that played that played that year. You know, everybody else redshirted. Got it. Got it. Um, I ended up getting player of the year with Keyshawn. I got a best back on the team. I, I rushed for the most yards. I had the most touchdowns. So. That summer leading up to the following year, my head coach, uh, Carl Bowser, told me on my way back to Greenville, South Carolina, that if I got myself in the shape that he needed me to get myself into, that he will surround me and put the offense around my talents. So I went back home that summer. I had a job and all I did was train. 
So then when I got back to Bakersfield for my second season in 1994, from the game one all the way to the end, it was it was just a magical season. Going into that second season at Bakersfield, how was your experience then? I mean, I know uh, now you probably got friends. Now you pro- your teammates probably look at you like you're the leader. Um, it's yes. probably a whole different dynamic now. So can you explain that a little bit? Oh, yeah. I mean, everybody, you know, obviously, you know it just as well as I do, Robert. When you become the guy on the team, everybody's your friend. So everybody was my friend, uh, especially the linemen. The linemen were pretty excited because we had all the linemen coming back for the, uh, my second season. So uh, we didn't we didn't know that the season was going to turn out the way it did. So um, I remember going into that season, I was begging the uh, special teams coach to allow me to play kickoff return. He wouldn't let me play it my freshman year. I kept telling him that I was really good at doing it. So finally, I begged Coach Bowser, and he allowed me to play it starting in week one. So from that game, the first the first play of the game, they kicked the ball off to us, and I went back like 105. Gone. First play, at, yeah, first play of the game, kickoff return, 105. And from that point on, I mean, the rest was pretty much like every week. We we was out. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think that year we I rushed for – 34 touchdowns, which is still a national record to this day. Wow. wow. Yeah, 34 and, and, touchdowns. And you broke uh, OJ's record, right? What was that, six in a game or something? Yeah. It, well, his was – I broke his state record, which was like 28. And then I broke the I broke the uh, game record, which was six. I, I ended up rushing – I rushed for seven touchdowns in a game. And, uh, and then I broke the national record, which was – uh, 33 at the time, and I end up getting 34, and that record still holds today, and I don't think that will ever be broken with the way offenses run their schemes now and throw the ball all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we as a team, I average nine yards a carry. Wow. Now, yes. okay, so so now you you really balled out your second season. How many colleges or universities, four-year universities, are, like, calling your phone or, or knocking down your door? All of them. All of I mean, them. Yeah, I, I, I wanted. I was going to go to Georgia, but they had like some type of. I wanted to go to Georgia. They had some type of coaching issue or something like that. And so, uh, my coach at uh, Coach Bowser, who was co- good friends with Coach Toner. Yeah, Ted Toner. State, and he, you know, he said, George, I think you should go and go down there and take a visit. I had already had all my visits like lined up or what I was going to do because I had, I think I had two visits left. I had went to Arizona state where Jake Plummer and all those guys hosted me. And, and uh, at the time they running back coach was Hugh Jackson ah. who was, yeah. yeah, Hugh Jackson. And so he, you know, he like, yeah, we would love you to come here. You know, that same spiel that they give everybody at the time. I didn't want to go there because they, they didn't. They weren't having a really good. The program didn't seem like it was really good. Now, fast forward that two years later, they end up going to the Rose Bowl and winning it. Uh, so, well, yeah. hey, but two years would you have been there? Two years? Yeah, I would have been there. Two oh, years. you would have been, been there. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, would have been. It would have been uh, my senior season. Got it. Got so, it. Um, so you know, Coach Bowser kept telling me, "Yeah, you should go down to San Diego State." You know. 
obviously I had already heard of San Diego State a little bit because of Marshall. Yeah. I remember us in the uh, dorms. We used I used to watch the highlights my freshman year, which was 1993, which was his last year mm-hmm. at San Diego State. I used to watch the highlights on ESPN, watch him run, and I used to like, man, that guy's really, really good. Yeah. And then my sophomore year, which was 1994, which was his rookie year at Indianapolis, obviously you know what happened there. He got rookie of the year and just blew up. Yeah. And so he put San Diego State on the map. So as I as I thought about it more, I was like, wow, maybe I can, you know, go down that same path just like Marshall. Yeah. So I said, I told Coach Biles, I said, yes, I'll do it. So I I, I came down to San Diego State. It was uh me and Ricky, Ricky Williams was on the the trip with me. Ricky really? Williams. Yeah, Ricky Williams. So uh, we talk about that, you know, to this day. Oh, because he was it. at Patrick Henry at the time. He was high school. Yes, that is correct. So, uh, and one of my good friends, you know who he is, uh, Will Blackwell. Yes. Receiver. Yes, Will Blackwell, he was my host. He was the host that carried me around. He, you know, you know he did a great job of uh, showing me around and doing all that. And then as I thought about it, obviously the program is not, when I say program, the facilities are nowhere near what they are now, like how great and how great looking they are right now, like they were back in 1995. Yeah. Um, So I remember uh, a lot of guys that were on the team telling me, yeah, I'm not sure if you want to come here because of the great Marshall Falk, you know, living in his shadows and things of that nature, I was like, you know, I wasn't afraid because, you know, uh, of what Marshall had accomplished. And I wasn't afraid going behind him. I kind of looked at it as a, a, a honor to sit here and see if I can match up number for number with this individual because I hadn't met him yet. So I got back to Bakersfield and I told Coach Bowser that they, you know, they got me in contact with San Diego State. And I said, I'm coming there. That oh, when so I you come, committed then? No, I committed when I got back. Oh, okay. When I got back. Yeah. So then I told them. Shout out Will I'm, Blackwell. Yes. My boy Willie B, uh, Will Blackwell, and Ricky Parker. Uh, I, told, I told them I'm coming to San Diego State and that I'm a great martial fault record. Right off the bat, I told them that. That's Confidence. what I'm going Yes. I, I, I was confident in it, and I actually told Marshall that. I told him I was going to break his record. So you went from Greenville, South Carolina to Bakersfield. Culture shock. Now coming from Bakersfield to San Diego, how was that and, and what, did, what was that transition like? That, that, was, that was not hard at all because I had been in California for two years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So San, so San Diego and Bakersfield, even though San Diego, you know, with the weather and, you know, it, it's a much – I should not put it a much easier place on the eye where everybody would prefer to live versus the hot Bakersfield. It's very, very hot up there in the summer. Yeah. Uh, so it really wasn't that big of a shock, a culture shock for me uh, for that point, like uh, getting used to anything like that. I was pretty much used to California then, whether I had went to San Diego or went to USC or UCLA. That was not the uh, harder, the harder part. The hardest part was adjusting from the talent at Bakersfield playing against and then coming to real division one guys that, that was, that took a little adjusting 
because everything happened a little bit quicker, you know, a little bit quicker. Now, and, now, now real quick, explain that because for somebody that is um, maybe on the JC level or in high school thinking about going to a JC, what, what can you explain just that difference and that dynamic because I never, I never had actually went to JC. I, I walked on at San Diego State and and earned my scholarship there. So my thinking was get in the system, they'll get to know me uh, instead of going to a JC and learning their system and then having to transfer to a four year and then having to learn a whole new system. I was like, I might as well get in now, walk on. You know, it'll be the same thing. I'm paying my way. And then, you know, hopefully I can earn a scholarship. So going from a junior college like Bakersfield College and coming to San Diego State, first question, how was the the learning curve? And then talent-wise, how was that? So I would say going from Eastside High School in Greenville, South Carolina, to Bakersfield, it was just a little step up going to from Bakersfield to San Diego, it was a it was a massive jump because we had nobody nowhere near as skilled as Will Blackwell. Yeah, yeah. Like our receiver. We had nobody nowhere near as good as Ricky Parker on the, as a we had nobody nowhere near as good as Kyle Turley yeah. or you know or Ephraim Salam, guys like that. So Legends. again the talent yeah the talent jumped you know dramatically. But I will say on if you, anybody, if you are a good or great player, you will be able to figure out how to adjust your playing, your game to whatever speed of the, you know, of how the uh, system is. It's just a matter of timing. So I remember in some practices when I first got to San Diego State at Bakersfield, that hole would, that hole would be open just a little longer than at San Diego State. So coach, yeah, so the coaches tell me, Coach Bowser, not Coach Bowser, but Coach Toner and Coach uh, Pola, you need to make things a little bit quicker. You need to make a decision quicker yeah. instead of just sitting back here reading and waiting for stuff to happen in front of you because that's what I did from high school and that's what I did at Bakersfield. So once I got the adjustment and practice to learn how to make, make the necessary changes, it was no different than in high school or Bakersfield. It was just you know, I was just surrounded with a lot of uh, talent. So your thought process was a lot faster, basically. Yeah. yeah. So now when I got into training camp, I think I was around like fifth or sixth on the depth chart. Wow. Yes, I was like fifth or sixth on the who, depth chart. Who else was there? Do you, can you remember who was ahead of you? Yes. Yeah, Justin Watson, Dana Overby, uh, a guy named uh, Kenny. Um Tyrone Evans and a guy named Lamont Ross. Okay. Lamont, a guy named Lamont Ross and his name Kenny Overby. He was a he he was a he's he was a really really he was a good football player, but he was very intelligent. Got it. Uh, so when I got there, I was like, I just named those five guys. I was behind them. Mm-hmm. So those five guys were, were ahead of me. One because they knew the system, they knew the plays. Two. They had been in there and they knew everything. So I remember after the first scrimmage, I got very little playing time. I got in with like the threes, very little playing time. And I, and I was kind of ticked off. Yeah. I mean, and that's kind of, that's kind of how it is 
almost everywhere you go, where you go, when you are that low on the depth chart, you don't get much run. So when you do get the opportunity, when yeah. you do get in there, number one, you don't want to mess up. Number two, you want to kill it. You want to ball out. And uh, number three, you just want coaches to remember your name. And, and, and just to give you an example of mine, uh, yeah. Tom Kraft had just come in after Ted Tolner. And it was spring ball, and I was red shirt. I had red shirted. They knew Jr. They knew Kasim Osgood. They knew Ronnie Davenport. They knew them, but the younger guys, you know, the juniors, the sophomores, all of us, they didn't know any of us. So yeah. coming into the spring scrimmage, nobody really knew my name. After the scrim- spring scrimmage, in the hallways, I had the coaches. Ortiz, that was Ortiz. You know, once I knew they knew my name, I was like, okay, I, I might, I might have done something. So go uh, ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, no, you, you good? You're uh, fighting for some from playing time. Yeah, yeah, I'm fighting for some playing time, and then um, I started. You know, after that scrimmage, uh, as the practice went on, because you know you only have two two scrimmages before the start of the season. Yeah. So. After that scrimmage, I might have jumped a couple of guys just because of of learning the playbook pretty quickly. So then uh, I remember going to Coach Pola, Kennedy Pola, who was my running back coach, and I was like, man, you know, you guys told me X, Y, Z, but that's not happening. And he said, George, just be patient. Everything is going to work out. Just be patient. So, I, you know, I, I took his advice. I didn't, you know, make a big fuss out of it publicly. Yeah. You know, I just went behind the scenes with him. So then I remember the second scrimmage, we was about to uh, have the scrimmage on the Saturday on the Saturday uh, morning. And they hadn't told anybody who was the starter at running back. And then I remember we, you know, we went into the meeting room right before we had to go get dressed to go do the scrimmage. And then Coach Polo pulled me to the side and says, you're going to be starting today. And, I, you know, I was excited. Yeah, you know, yeah. I got to yeah, I got a chance to go with the ones. Okay, you told yeah. Marshall Falk you're gonna be break his record. You told Will Blackwell you're breaking Marshall Falk's record. They name you the starter for the second scrimmage. Correct. Now, give me your 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 thought process going into that. I mean, I was excited, and uh, Will was excited for me. Uh, Ricky was excited for me. all the linemen. They were excited because they. I hadn't ever got to go with the ones. Yeah. So we, we got into the scrimmage ones against ones. I, I ran the ball 11 times, 200 some yards, three or four touchdowns. And from that point, yeah, it was like, it was like, like that. Wow. Yeah. Yes. Wow. So every, it, it, it worked out perfectly. But the crazy thing, Robert, is we was playing our first game at home against Kyle Berkeley against you know, Tony Gonzalez, all those guys. Yeah. Leading up to the game, I still didn't know I was starting until the until like right before kickoff. Got they had they hadn't told any of us who was the starter until right up to kickoff when we was at when we was at uh, Qualcomm in the stadium when we was in the locker room getting dressed. That's when I found out I was going to start. Well, that's how you know you made it hard on them. Because they were probably like trying to, what are we going to do? You know, they probably were going back and forth the entire week up, leading up to the game. The night before, they're probably like, do we start, you know? And um, 
So that's a good thing. That's a good problem to have in their situation. Yeah. Now, in your situation, you mentally cannot really uh, – you can prepare. You can say, I'm going to be the starter, and you could just mentally psych yourself and say, this is what's going to happen and put it out there in the universe. But in all reality, that you, you really didn't know. So going into that game, and then now they, they announced it, obviously, that you were the starter what, mm-hmm. minutes before the game. So yeah. when that happened, did was it like nerves? Was it like, I, yes, it's about to go down or what? Yeah, so I had, I had already knew, um, you know, that week it was going to be a lot of uh, people from Bakersfield come down to watch my first game. Like, you know, teachers, uh, some of my buddies who, were, who had redshirted, they were in their second year. They were all coming down, coaches, everybody. Yeah, that's added pressure so, right there. Yes. <laughs> Yes. So I remember when Coach Pola told me and I was getting dressed, I was like literally shaking, like shaking, like putting my clothes on. Yeah. Because, again, again, like I told you earlier, this is different than Bakersfield and in high school. You can you know, you can hear the noise outside. Mm-hmm. And during that whole week, uh, Kyle Berkeley has some some uh, defensive linemen who. The year, you know, in 1996, they went in the first round. So I'm just giving you a little backdrop of how good they were in 1996. Yeah. So that 95 season, they were all in the paper talking about me that, well, we're not worried about, we're not worried about George Jones because this is not junior college. This is, this is Division One football. This is Pac-10 football. He's not going to run over us like he did at, at junior college up in Bakersfield. So – when I'm, I'm reading that and then I'm, you know, feeling all the pressure, um, as we were coming out of the locker room, I, I, I almost hyperventilated. I was like, re- I was like, yes, I'm being Robert. I was really, I've never been that nervous ever. Wow. And I, so, so then Robert, when we ran back out of the tunnel to get ready to start the game, we got the ball first on offense at that time. And I'm pretty sure, you know, we ran no huddle offense uh-huh. for Coach Kraft. First play of the game, I went the wrong way. Oh, I hope I hope they didn't take you out. They did. Oh. Oh, they, Robert, they took me out. So quick, Coach Pola. He he laid into me like I went the back for you, and I and and you know, and I said you were the guy, and did it, and then the first play, you do this and that, and I'm like. Coach, I'm sorry. I was just nervous. You know, I'm trying to explain to him. I said, I promise. I got it. I said, trust me. I got it. I know what to do now. So I had to sit out the first series, and I think they sent Dana Overton in there. So Dana Overton went in. I think, you know, we had a couple of successful drives, and then we punted the ball, and then we got the ball back in the second uh, series. Then I went back in, and, and from that point on, the rest was history. There was no – it was history. Okay, but you okay. say it's history, but you had to overcome – the fact that you went the wrong way, they pulled you out, your Bakersfield fam is in the stands, you know, the other team knows what you did at Bakersfield, and now they're giving you a shot to go back in there. So you can't just skip and say it's history. You got you to gotta explain how, what your mentality was on the sideline. I'm just, I'm just trying to get in your head at that moment in time, and I want to know how 
history became what it was, how the legacy of George Jones became after that moment? Well, when I was when when I was sitting on the sideline beside Coach Pola and he said, yeah, we're going to put you back in. He didn't say exactly when I was going to go back in. So I'm thinking I'm like, I'm like, freak, man, have I screwed this up? Like in my mind, I'm like, man, I may not ever get back on the field because, you know, you hear the stories on TV when a guy doesn't do well. His his replacement comes in and do well. And then the rest is history. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I had heard that about Marshall. That Marshall was not the starter. The guy that was in front of him got hurt. Marshall got in, and the rest was history. So I was like, wow, man, I get, I've lost my chance. I've lost my opportunity, man. I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do. You know, you got all these people coming to see you, and you, you know, let everybody down. And yeah. that was running through my head, and I'm like, man, I don't know what I'm going to do now. Right before the series, they was punting the ball. Coach Polo said, go back out there. Don't make no more mistakes. So Billy, as we're in the huddle, Billy said, George, just relax. Billy Blanton, who was our quarterback. Yes. Uh, he's, I remember him saying it. I remember Will saying it. Ephraim and Kyle Turley, all four of those guys said, George, relax. We got you. And Billy said, you know what, George? Uh, we're going to run the ball on this play no matter what. I don't care what the coverage, the front is. We're going to run the ball so you can get used to this and get the feel of what this is like. Yeah, you hadn't even really got your first hit in yet because you went the wrong so, way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I got the ball, and it was pretty successful. You know, you, I got hit and all that, and then I was like, man, this this is no different than anything else. And then Billy would always assure me and tell me, George, you got a flare route. George, you got." he would, like, say it really. Uh, help you out. That's good. Yeah. You need that. Yes. Yeah. So he did that and the flow of the game just went on and man, it 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 turned out we blew we blew Cal out. I think um I rushed for like hundred and fifty yards, three touchdowns, my first division one game against Boom. a pack yeah, pack ten team. From that point, my my confidence went from here to up here and then from that point and, and now you're dangerous <laughs> all right so now we're we're gonna fast forward through because i i actually we're gonna have you on again so i'm just trying to for time's sake we gotta fast forward to the towards the end of the season you know you're getting close to marshall falk's record right and yes yeah break your jaw so so yeah, so we I broke it. I broke my jaw. We were playing New Mexico. Uh-huh. We were playing New Mexico. I broke my jaw on the play that one of the you know you know how the receivers come in motion and you're supposed to crack crack down. The receiver did not crack down, so I did mm-hmm. not look over to her because I assumed that he was going to crack down and make that block. Uh-huh. So I, I cut uh-huh. I cut off that guy, and the guy came in, in my left ear. He ear holed me, man. It was like the hardest hit I ever had. He hit me. All my ear pieces came out, and I knew instantly something was wrong. So I ran to the sideline, and Gary, Gary at the time, uh, Gary Johnson, who was the trainer, yep. told me, he said, George, your jaw's broken. Do you want to continue? I said, yeah, I want to continue because I knew um, I was on the verge of being close to breaking Marshall's record. And when you're on the, the precipice of doing something like that and breaking the all-time great record, you may not ever get that chance again. Yeah. So I, I was willing to sacrifice, you know, health 
to do that. As I think about it now, would I do it now? Of course not. <laughs> I, would, I, I was the same way. I mean, with all the yeah. stories that are coming out with football players and, you know, the yeah. concussion stuff. You know how many times I probably had a concussion, but I've never there. You can look on all my medical records. You'll never yeah. see concussion on there because <laughs> anytime yeah. I was, I mean, that's just how we were taught back then. You get knocked out, you get, get injured, you know, get hurt, you get hurt, not injured, but you get, you were injured, but and so that means you're crazy, but you get hurt, you, you shake it off and get back out there, you know? So I, I understand that mentality. I'm sure there's a lot of football players out there that understand that same mentality and the fact that you were so close to breaking that record that there's no way, there's no way I'm coming out. Yeah, so so that happened. So Gary and them said, asked me if I wanted to continue to play. I said yes, and uh, I continued to play, finished the game off. I probably rushed for 200-some yards, four or five touchdowns. What kind of pain is that? Is that like a like a headache? Is it like a throbbing and like a toothache? What does it feel like? Man, it's just constant pain. I'm talking about I'm talking about massive. I'm talking about just massive pain, like nonstop. Like a pounding on yeah. your on your on your jaw or your your chin. Area? Yes, on my, on my on this side of my face right here, which is my left side under my left ear. Man, so. You, you fast forward that we was getting ready to practice for the the next game. So I didn't practice. I just did, you know, I did the walkthrough on Friday and all of that stuff. And, you know, by that time, I was about 15 pounds down then. 15 pounds for my normal playing weight. Uh-huh. So so you, when you lose 15 pounds that quickly, you you use you lose a lot of strength. Uh-huh. So and you're I, eating I was, what? You're eating shakes or smoothies? Just drinking Ensure. Oh, okay, Ensure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I just drank Ensure. So what they did every week, <coughs> every week I will go to the doctor. They will cut off the the uh, the brackets in my mouth. They will have me to do an X-ray to see how it was progressing the healing, and they would allow me to brush my teeth one time a week. Oof. Hope you didn't yeah. have a girlfriend at that time. <laughs> yeah, I did, but uh, but I it felt like I had fur on my teeth. <laughs> yes, that is hilarious. Um, yeah. All right, so now fast forward to the moment. We got we got to get in this, but uh, I want to know how it felt to actually break the record and what what was the play? Uh, how many yards? Uh, who is it against? And with a broken jaw, yes. how how did like were you even able to celebrate the way you wanted to celebrate? So the game we were in Hawaii. As the game started, I only had maybe about six yards rushing the first half. Six yards. Wow. But but Will and uh, Will Blackwell and Azakim they both had over hundred and twenty yards receiving. Yeah. So they, they basically were going to stop you. But that left Correct. them open on the outside. Correct. So as the game went into the third, so we went back in at halftime, made some adjustments, and then the third quarter, it all started popping. I think I needed maybe 100-plus yards that game to break Marshall record. So in the third quarter alone, 
me and the team, the offense, and everybody including together, because I couldn't have done this without the offensive coordinator, the lineman, the wide receivers blocking. So in the third quarter, I rushed for 167 yards and three touchdowns in the third quarter. Oh, my God. that That's not a record? I, I don't know. Holy crap. You might have to look that up. <laughs> yeah. In the third quarter. So I remember I broke Marshall record two plays before I actually broke it. I broke it on like a counter play, but they call holding on one of the linemen. Uh, so they, they backed us up. They did that on purpose. <laughs> yeah. So, so then the next play, I think Billy, we tried a pass play and that was incomplete. And then the next play after that, it was like an off tackle play. And I probably went for 50. I, I went for 50. I ran into like a pile of players and I kind of like bounced off. And then it was a, I just outran everybody. It was a touchdown on the play to break Marshall's record. And it was, um, cause at that time and still today, Marshall is like a mythical, uh, figure at the university. hundred percent. Yeah. So I never, I, I mean, I said I was going to break his record, now, I wasn't 100% sure if that was possible. Uh-huh. Uh, was possible because of this, his just his legendary status of what he had accomplished and what he was doing in the NFL. And so when I crossed the goal line and all, my, all the teammates came and ran to me and they gave me the ball and I walked off and we were on the sideline, I, I, I was like, it was like I was, it was like I was in a daze. I, I couldn't. It, it was hard to fathom, yeah. uh, uh, Robert, because of where I just come from, from Bakersfield, where I just broke the national record the year before that. Yeah. And then now I'm coming down and breaking some uh, Herculean record that nobody ever thought was going to be broken. And so from that point, my football life, like, just, like, just went up here. And uh, uh, I remember getting a, a Marshall congratulating me on breaking the record, and uh, like I've said many times, if it wasn't for Marshall, I wouldn't have never come to San Diego State ever. Me and you wouldn't be talking right now. Exactly. He is, the, yeah, he is the only reason. Shout out Marshall. Uh, so just to give people, just to let people know, his record was sixteen hundred and thirty yards. You finished the nineteen ninety five season with eighteen hundred forty two yards and twenty three touchdowns. So. You did your thing, man. It's it's uh you're definitely an Aztec uh legend. And those twenty three touchdowns are, are still number one as we speak right now for a season. Boom. Still still holding that record. So congratulations yes. on that. Um my brother, I appreciate you for coming on the Aztec Legacy Podcast. I wanna have you yeah. on again. We're gonna we're gonna talk more. Um but you know, time permitting, I'm I'm trying to to keep it so that people maybe I maybe I might need to break this up in two two episodes or something. But uh, honestly, I appreciate you coming on and sharing your journey, your legacy, and um, you know, we'll have you back and hopefully, hopefully, we'll be uh, doing some some uh, projects exactly. And one more thing, just want for the people, for uh, guys that were in your in your shoes that you know, are thinking about going across the United States or wherever, or even even guys maybe that are playing basketball that might be trying, thinking about going overseas or whatever. Um, and then the guys that are transferring to a four-year university, 
just quick, you know, not too long, but just a little bit of encouragement, anything. Yes, I would say if you're confident in yourself as an athlete, not just a football player, but an athlete, your journey may take a little longer if you got to go to JC route just like I did. But I promise you, if you are good enough to get to the professional ranks of four-year college, you would eventually get there through hard work and perseverance. So don't worry about trying to get there really quickly. I promise you, if you're good enough, they're going to find you. Amen. I appreciate you, brother. Have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. Stay blessed. Stay safe. Um, Will do. Yep. Peace. All right, peace out. Again, that was George Jones. I appreciate him for coming on, sharing his legendary story and his legacy with us. As always, before I let you go, I have to remind you, your legacy is not about all the accolades and all the awards and yards and touchdowns you've you've achieved over the years. It's about the journey and the lives you've touched in the process. Again, this is the Aztec Legacy Podcast. Respect the journey. Aztecs for life. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.